Welcome to the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we learn from real estate professionals across the industry. They will share about how they got into real estate, the big wins they have celebrated, the mistakes they have made along the way, and the advice they have for anyone following in their footsteps. Money really does grow on trees. Everybody, it's William Holland here for another episode of the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast. I've got a special guest here today, Michael Peeler. Um, I've got to meet you in person and really enjoyed getting to know you better, man. Uh, Great to have you on today. Hey, William. Pleasure being on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, great great to meet you in person as well. I'm excited to have a little conversation here. Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. So where did you grow up and where you are now and, and why did you end up there? Yeah, so grew up, I'm a Texas boy like yourself, uh, grew up in North Dallas and uh, Plano. So, um, you know, grew up around a lot of real estate and saw the big, you know, expansion that was happening in the DFW area. And I was not paying, really paying attention much to it growing up. I was just more focused on sports. I played pretty much like every every single sport there is, but really focused on ice hockey and golf, um, played ice hockey at a at a decently high level and that's what brought me up to minnesota so i'm now residing in the twin cities i went to bethel university which is a small private school just north of st paul um played hockey and golf there and that's kind of what that's what brought me up to the north and met my wife at school and so we're we're sticking around she's from the area um but yeah so i was a economics and finance major in, in school and kind of at a certain point, um, I don't know who it was, but uh, I was exposed to some some of these real estate podcasts and just kind of learning um, online that these huge assets, cash flowing assets that we see um, all around us, like everyday people like you and I actually own those, and that just kind of blew my mind. And so I wanted to I wanted to be involved in that. So got my real estate license, and that's kind of what I thought the progression was. And quickly realized I don't want to be you know, salesperson, real estate sales, and really like the relationship side of the investing um, aspect of, of real estate and just started to um, get as many mentors around me as I could and was fortunate that um, actually my finance professor um, is a very successful owner operator himself, has close to 4,000 units across the country. And so he kind of took cool. me under his wings um, while I was in school and introduced me to a lot of people in the space and was fortunate to um, as soon as graduated, just started our company, North Lone Star Capital, and uh, hit the ground running. So you started it with your professor? No, I oh. wish. <laughs> uh, no, I started uh, my business partner, Gavin Hart. He uh, he had some, his stories kind of um, businessman, entrepreneur, had a bunch of single family rentals, was ready to scale up into multifamily, had uh, the resources, but didn't have the time. I had all the time in the world, just graduated, but didn't have, I didn't have any money. <laughs> so, so we paired up um, perfectly together and partnered. that's, yeah, we partnered up. That's so cool. Yeah. I think that's really neat that you had a, somebody in academia that actually had some real world experience. I feel like that's not very common. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Super. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. He, um, he drives a, he's got a yellow convertible Porsche. <laughs> And I knew something was up because no, no professor's salary is that good at the school I went to. <laughs> so I, I knew, I knew, uh, cause he would talk about real estate and figured that, that kind of, you know, he was pretty successful at it. So then once we started to dive further into it, yeah, just him being an owner operator syndicator, 
um, was super helpful for me at a, at a younger, I don't know, I think I was a junior in college when I really started to dive into it and um, super helpful to have a mentor like him um, because that type of stuff, like um, it, it's invaluable, just like the, having those one-on-one conversations and actually learning from someone who's doing it firsthand, like you can't learn that in a book. Absolutely. And and that's one thing I think that, you know, sets somebody like you apart, you know, and, and the reason that I hate the term self-made man or self-made woman, you know, I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, because to get anywhere, like you have to find people that can can mentor you and guide you. And at the very least, you have to find partners to really to grow beyond a certain point. hundred um, percent. And I, I definitely think like the syndication space is very collaborative it's not necessarily it, it is competitive but it's more so collaborative and you have to be a team player to be successful in the private equity real estate investing space i um, also had a mentor who's a industrial sales broker here in the twin cities kind of took me under his wing for a couple of years as well and was great and um really enjoyed like what he had to teach me as well but i also um didn't I guess there's a side of that that I didn't really like the competitive I mean I'm a competitive person I played I played all this you know I played hockey and stuff so I understand um the competitive aspect of both but I just enjoyed that it felt more like a win-win honestly when you're um providing you know a passive investment to your to your investors as well as your your company um creating more cash flow and it just to me it felt more natural more like you're actually helping more people than just yourself with, uh, with brokers, nothing against brokers. I love brokers, you got to, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I was just more attracted to the investing side of it. Absolutely. And I like that you said that it's a collaborative space rather more, more so than a competitive space. So I got to sit in a, like a meetup, uh, in-person meetup here in Dallas, probably six months ago with some people that you and I actually know, uh, mutually and one of the things that they said they had a broker actually get up and speak you know they had property management guy a broker very successful one of the best brokers in dallas area and you know one of his bits of advice was hey like if you didn't win the deal like you should still be calling me and asking me who won the deal and then you should be calling the person that won the deal and trying to figure out you know how did they make the numbers work? Like, why did they win the deal? You know, and and somebody actually did that. And the the game plan for the person that underwrote it underwrote it successfully and uh, acquired the property. They were deciding to tear down walls between one unit spaces or you know one door one bedroom spaces mm-hmm. and make them convert them into two bedroom spaces. You know, and that was not a play that most people would have seen. So there's that potential. You know that that was a connection that they made. And there's certainly potential in the future for those two teams to partner on a deal rather than compete together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. No, that's, that's really good advice. Like it, it doesn't hurt. It would never hurt. Like the worst that somebody's going to say, if you reach out is they're just going to say no or not answer. And honestly, like that's, that's not that bad. Uh, so like it, the, um, risk reward like ratio for just reaching out and trying to have a conversation with other operators or successful like even if they're way far farther ahead than you like yeah like the worst they're, they're gonna say is no um so i would highly encourage anybody listening like absolutely don't feel like you're um doing someone a disservice by trying to have a cup of coffee with them like that is 100 percent how uh, businesses are made in this space and how 
um, deals deals are formed. Most operators didn't start with you know a thousand units under management. Like at some point, they were at ground zero too, and they had this similar conversations. So I feel like most people in this space like to give back and have have those conversations and those meetings. And um, yeah, it's I've enjoyed it, and that's kind of I think I think you would say the same. And it's, it's one of the benefits of being in this space. Yeah, definitely. So I know you've got a, a deal uh, that you've been working on for a while. So I'd like to do a deep dive of that deal if you feel comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the deal's in Rochester, Minnesota. Quick little uh, background on how we acquired it. Uh, we were previously under another deal under contract in Rochester, Minnesota, and we're conducting due diligence and discovered. Um, so we were we thought the roofs had all been replaced within the last 10 years. During due diligence, we discovered that that was absolutely not the case. Uh, all 10 buildings needed to have full roof re replacements. And yes, <laughs> um, our our uh, the cheapest bid we had was close to a million dollars to replace everything, which we did not have filled out in our CapEx budget. Um, sellers, unique situation, weren't able to come down in price in a market where it seemed like everybody was being able to retrade. We weren't able to. So we basically had to back out and lose, like we could have, we could have closed on it, but it's just, our returns wouldn't have been as good for our investors. And there's more risk because we don't know what's underneath, how much rotten wood is underneath um, the roofs once we started actually doing the work. So it was too risky for us. We backed out, um, lost a lot of pursuit capital during that, but felt like it was, you know, the best move for our investors to not go forward. Um, thankfully through that process, we ended up uh, actually, we were touring the, the property. We're now under contract. Looked like a great deal. Um, I, I literally just gave the owner. I cold called him, and he was he was interested in in selling. So we ended up getting under contract um, on this one. It's a 72 unit in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, the big economic driver in Rochester is the Mayo Clinics. They employ like 35,000 um, uh, workers, and they're expanding. There's a um, a multi-billion dollar um, movement going on over the next 10 years of just capital that's going to be infused into Rochester Mayo Clinics, just expanding um, that area and um, services. So really good core um, economic met metrics for um, the demographics, I guess. The property itself is a 1992 build, tall pitch roofs, no issues there. Uh, we can verify they've been replaced the last five years. So uh, no issues there. We've, we've finished due diligence and now we're just waiting to finish um, the capital raise and loan assumptions. So yes, there's a, there's a loan assumption on it right now, which is huge because if we had to purchase it, it wouldn't qualify. Or if we had to originate new debt, it wouldn't qualify for a Fannie Freddie product because the occupancy is too low. So we would have to go the bridge debt route and we'd be looking like nine, nine and a half percent. Whereas this has two years left at 4.69%, which is just huge, really, really helps cash flow the first couple of years. And then we'll refinance into hopefully a stabilized asset by then and a, a Fannie Freddie product going forward. Definitely. Yeah. So you, you touched on so many different things and I, I hope I, I hit all of them. So the first question that I have, what, uh, you were under the impression on the first deal that didn't close that the roofs had been replaced recently. Were you under that impression because the seller had told you that or where did you kind of get that? Yeah. Yeah. So yes. So one of the issues with this property is that, or that other one is that the sellers were out of state and I would argue 
and bet. <laughs> I'm not a betting man, but I'd bet that they had never stepped foot um, on that property and never had seen it. So what they were telling us was just what their property management company was telling them. They had actually never seen the property. Um, one of the roofs had been replaced within the last 10 years, not all of them. And even that one had still had issues. So they were, I don't know if they were just being, you know, negligent or they genuinely thought they were all replaced, but, um, yeah, part of due diligence items, we requested, um, receipts from the roof that was replaced, but we didn't get it. So by the time we actually got on site and could see and got up on the roofs, yeah, <laughs> knew it was an issue. Um, and that was something so we're in Minnesota, so there's snow all over the roof. Harsh roofs. winters. Yeah, harsh winters. We couldn't really see. Uh, they were flat roofs, so we couldn't really see um, just from the walkthrough. So it wasn't until we actually got on site during due diligence that we were able to discover the condition of the roofs, which was just unfortunate and something that I've learned to <laughs> to focus on. If there are flat roofs, those are they can be very expensive to replace, and that's something we're trying to avoid now or verify beforehand that they are in good shape. Definitely. Yeah. So that praise God for due diligence, right? Um, yeah. Oh, you man. know what, what if you had just gone in on that deal without having to do that or. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Like there would have been, I think we had around a hundred thousand built in just in contingency for the roofs. Cause we thought, you know, they're older. Um, but then a million dollars, you know, that's $900,000 that we weren't, we wouldn't have been prepared to spend. So investors returns would have just really hurt um and who knows it could have been more expensive than that once we actually started um you know exposing the roofs and peeling peeling it back and seeing what actually um what we were actually dealing with so for the betterment of the investors yeah it made more sense just to to walk away and kind of take that hit definitely yeah so the the hit that was taken that you just mentioned uh was earnest money deposit so hard money we so yeah so no we got our earnest money back but okay. um yeah so Good. we we Good. backed out before end of due diligence so we got our earnest money back however pursuit costs um uh attorneys um our travel expenses and then the due diligence the property management company we hired to do due diligence um it's a it's very thorough so it's it's expensive however it's worth it because they discover stuff like this um so like all that's all that was just out of pocket Right. And, and, uh, so basically I'd like to just help educate the listeners for those who haven't been active on real estate. So that is a big differentiating factor between passive investors and the general partnership team. So passive investors, you know, they, they give money into a deal after it's under contract and were it not to close, they would receive their money back. But that is that is one of the risks that the general partnership team takes in acquisition. You know, they're going to be spending money doing due diligence. They're going to be spending a lot of time. They're going to be traveling to the property and making a lot of phone calls and, you know, getting ready for for a business plan to be put into place. And so that is, you know, we, we are rewarded, you know, when a property is operated successfully and sold. But we also take a lot more risk. So that's something to think about as you are deciding if you want to be more of a passive investor or active investor in real estate. Yeah, that that's a good point. I don't think a lot of limited partners, a lot of passive investors understand the amount of work that goes into just just one deal. Like 18% ARR, um 7% cash on cash. That's that's not on every single property we underwrite. Um it's very hard to find those deals um 
so not even mentioning so yes there's pursuit costs but then there's also um the 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 time that you're not going to get back like we spent almost three months on that deal you know and our our investors didn't spend any time on it we didn't even open up the raise yet because we weren't sure if it was ready to go um so that's something that they didn't have to like out of sight out of mind they have no idea about that um and that's something that that's kind of the benefit of being a passive investor as long as you're working with good operators that actually are going to to take those steps to make sure it is a solid investment um hopefully they've they've spent the time and, and spent the money to ensure that it is a good investment and that's something that's that's one of the huge benefits of of being a passive investor if you don't have the time or the money to do what we're doing you know you still get to partner with and piggyback on our expertise our our time our money and experience and and joint um you know, join partners and, and invest passively in the, in these deals. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's a, a testament to just your honesty and your, your partnership team's honesty and desire to, to put the investors first, you know, because y'all, you guys did have sunk cost. You did lose some time and you lost some money in that deal that you did not end up closing on, but you were looking at the long term and trying to look out for your investors. So that, that adds a lot of uh, integrity uh, to somebody that like you, that's willing to to step away from a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been tougher if uh, <laughs> we didn't get this one out of it because um, I'm I'm kind of seeing the silver lining as without that process, we wouldn't have now been under contract on this deal, which is even better. It's a 1992 build. The other one was a 77 build and just better bones, like super solid deal, um, true B class property. And unfortunately, we had to go through that, but um it it's worth it because you know this is this is much better passive investors in real estate are able to receive a check every month some people call that mailbox money we say money really does grow on trees visit the website at biggerpictureholdings.com where we have a ton of free resources to help you learn more about planting your very own money tree so another a new topic that you talked about was uh loan assumption for this deal that you are acquiring now. So tell us about what that means and what does that look like? Yeah, so there, there's the previous owner, their their debt piece is assumable. Um, so we'll be taking it over. Our One of our partners um, has a really strong track record and, and balance sheet. <laughs> and so he's, he's kind of who the bank is going to be looking at when determining if we'll qualify or not for the loan. Um, and, and we will with that. And so it'll be able to, um, to be assumed over, t- um, or assigned to us, um, at closing. So we'll be taking that, um, that debt piece. So one thing that we were interested about and, and weren't aware because this was our, our first time using, you know, assumable debt was, um, will the full balance, which was, uh, about 3.9 million be awarded to us, even though the current debt coverage ratio is less than one. So they're literally losing money on the property. It's negative cash flowing because it's it's being operated so poorly. Um, and so we weren't sure if we were going to be able to receive the full um, loan amount. And through this process, yes, we've learned we will. Um, it's just that we're going to have to have reserves for our, our first year payments um in a in an account which is totally fine and we have already accounted for that in our underwriting and it's actually 
um, hedges risk a little bit. You know, we've already got a first year payments sitting in a reserves account um, when the deal is going to be cash tight the first few months trying to put in better management and really operate the property and get actually cash flow positive. So that's, that's actually a benefit. I would like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for investors kind of worrying about how are you going to take a, a property that's losing cash flow and then pay for your your um, your debt payments? Well, it's, it's already been raised. And then also um, the, the current operator, operators are just um, doing a really poor job, unfortunately. And um, the current residents are just taking the brunt of their negligence, I would say. Um, there's really no security on the property, no no um, maintenance, like the maintenance is not, has not been fixing any issues. We walked all 72 units. There are current, currently many units where the locks don't work. Um, the like interiors, there's issues with one of the units or actually eight of the units. There's zero flooring. There's no carpet. It's just cement on, on their, in their house. Um, people are just living on cement because there was a flood in one of the units and yeah. they never fixed it. It's been like that for three months. So um, just really bad operations in a property that's quite frankly, like in a really good area and and um, has really good bones. So we'll, we'll be taking advantage of the current operators poor management. And that's crazy. I'm, I'm excited and, and glad that uh, somebody like you are, are going to be able to take the property over and help improve the residents' lives. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it was actually like, um, that, like, that was my first time seeing a property that, that rough for the, I guess, for the area, like, it's really not a bad area. Um, and just kind of walking in and seeing like, these are, these are their homes, like, this is where they're living. This is what they call um, their home and just kind of seeing the condition of some of those units is, was rough and it definitely fired me up and got me excited to be able to provide, you know, a, a better, safe, clean living environment, um, to those residents. Most definitely, man. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for talking about that deal. Uh, super excited for you and your team. Uh, I'd like to, to close out with two final topics. So one would be a lesson learned, something that you would caution potential passive investors on or maybe something that you've wish you would have done differently so far in real estate, um, or you can hit on all three. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, um, a lesson I've learned, and this would be for your active, your active investors out there, um, to not be afraid to pick up the phone and, and make those calls, <laughs> um, that, that owner I cold called and we ended up getting under contract on. I had his number. I had his number in a list three, four months ago, and I never called him. Um, and maybe we wouldn't have gone through that initial process um, if I had just called him earlier and we ended up getting under contract. So um, it's all it's always tough. I always struggle with it. But I think not being afraid to put yourself out there and, and make those calls and make those introductions um, is something like uh, that, that I've learned to kind of get over and just... Um, yeah, go after it. Definitely, yeah. No, that's such good advice. Uh, lastly, I would love to just shine the spotlight on you and just hype you up, just hear what's your most proud or proudest accomplishment so far in real estate and maybe something that you're looking for to in the future. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. So our, our first deal we closed on as, as a new company was last year as 128 unit in Houston. That was, um, that was awesome. That was 
you know, that's for so far the, the biggest accomplishment we've had. And then I think this one, once we close on it, will be my favorite just because of the circumstances around it and just um, the the way we went from, um, you know, from zero to, I guess, zero to 100 from <laughs> thinking we lost out on it all of our pursuit costs all of a sudden ended up being a better situation. Um, I think this will be um, the most unique and fun and satisfying deal that, um, that, that I would have had. Absolutely. So how can people get in contact with you, man? Yeah. If they go to our website, northlonestar.com, um, you can subscribe to our investor portal or shoot us a, a message on there. Happy to connect. If you guys have any questions or want to, uh, learn more about our investment strategy and thesis and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you, William. Good talking. Like and subscribe below. A new episode will air every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Are you looking for more content? Visit our website, biggerpictureholdings.com. And remember, money really does grow on trees.